Welcome, friends, to the 10th anniversary reading of my book I wrote called Ride On, A Motorcycle Journey to Awaken the Soul and Rediscover Its Maker. I for some time wanted to make an audio version of this, and that time is now. So I'll be releasing a chapter at a time on my Small Town Wanderer podcast and welcome you to join me on this journey. To create some authenticity, I'll be reading straight from the book. I won't be doing much editing if I screw up a word or if I completely change a sentence. I want you to feel like you're here in the room with me. Besides the poem, thanks to Michael Corporal that I read at the beginning of each chapter and the music thanks to Nate Shepard, these are all my words and my doing. And I'm fully copyrighted, so don't steal it. But feel free to share it with a friend. Or buy a Kindle version or the softcover version on Amazon. It's just a way to say thanks for making this recording available. Until we meet, ride on. Section 1. Searching for the Soul. Engine Rebuilding. Expedition Proven for Everyday Thought Adventures. There are things greater than us, and more important than us, that sleep within you and I. Let us awaken them. Chapter 1. Recessive Gene Found. Engine Rebuild Methods. The decision I was about to make could be the end of me, or the beginning of something marvelous. It was a cool Washington summer evening, and I had been without a car on and off all summer. We had been lending our Toyota Camry when friends came from out of town or when someone needed a vehicle. The car had been given to us, so we held the keys loosely. We were getting along fine with one car, and that got us thinking about how we could downsize and get by with less. It quickly became clear that we could not get by with only one vehicle all the time and would still need a second one. So, as a golden retriever to a downed mallard, so was I to the prospect of getting a cost-saving, fuel-efficient motorcycle. My family had warmed to my recent obsession and released the hope that it was not just a passing dream. So on that cool evening, I saddled a motorbike for the very first time in my life. This was not technically the first time, but the first time I went more than one foot. I'll get to that adventure later. After some hot dogs, chips, soda, and the idle chatter, I brought the conversation of the evening to my own dreams, motorcycles. I might not have ever ridden a motorcycle, but I still considered myself to be a biker of the hardcore type. We talked about scooters and how I was pondering getting one to mosey around town. I knew I would never get one, but it seemed to make my wife feel much better that I was only thinking about a scooter. Have you ever ridden a motorcycle? was the common question that evening. Nope, I replied. Well, then you can't call yourself a biker, was the retort. Oh, yes, I can, I snapped back. I was with church people and didn't want to seem too much of a liar. I preferred to call myself a dreamer. I did want them to know, though, that I was a biker and I was serious about my recent trajectory. Having a bike had nothing to do with what was in my heart. I had the heart of a biker. So I finagled my way to the garage where I knew my friend had several motorcycles. An old Harley shovelhead was the signature piece of the garage, dark blue with a customary piece of cardboard under the engine to catch the random dripping fluids. It isn't a motorcycle unless it marks its territory, my friend Todd explained. 
This was not what my wife needed to hear. Given my mechanical aptitude of absolutely zero, I thought my adventure in the motorcycle was over before it began. I had owned a hammer, a tape measure, and a couple stripped screwdrivers. I wouldn't have the time or the skill level to be cleaning carburetors, flushing fluid lines, or rebuilding engines. However, my friend assured me, and most importantly, Christy, that this was not normal for all bikes, just old Harleys. Leaking oil or not, I was ready to give it a try. I saddled that hog and was ready to roll. And as quickly as I got on, I was escorted off and led to a much older dirt bike in the corner. It was tall, skinny, and yellow, and much smaller than the Harley. Give this one a go first, my friend said. That sounded like a logical progression to me, something uh, a bit smaller first. Given that I was already a biker and had months of thinking about biking under my belt, but had not yet ridden one, I was only a little offended by the new offer to ride a smaller one. So we got the engine wound up and black smoke escaped from the tailpipe. If people were doubters of the seriousness of my new lifestyle, they weren't now, as the whole group came out to the yard to see me. Well, they were not there to see me ride, of course. I found out later, but to protect their kids and to see me kill myself. Christy came out yelling, Where is your helmet? This, of course, greatly offended me. It questioned my manhood to make me put on a helmet for just a cruise around the backyard. But given that she was the only one that could stop my dreams, I complied so as not to derail my pursuit for the open road of freedom. I put the bike back on the stand and went back in the garage to find a helmet, and I quickly assessed that they would not have one that fit me. I stood there looking at the helmets on the shelf, and it brought me back to a specific day of my freshman year of high school. We were getting ready for our band uniform outfits as the class assembled that morning. Our marching band, Shacos with Plumes, were on the chair. You will find, class, your hats on the chairs today, Mr. Kinney's voice boomed. You all have a number, and it corresponds with the number on the chair. It starts with number one down here, all the way to the last chair where Joseph's watermelon hat is. Many of my mother's side of the family have a watermelon head, and I inherited that trait. I wonder if large heads are a dominant or recessive gene. From my ninth grade biology class, I do know sometimes recessive genes are masked by a more dominant gene. And I remember that brown eyes are dominant to blue eyes, but I don't remember any class that explained if a large head is dominant or recessive. It is amazing when we look around, we find people each built on the same genetic code, but we look and live our lives in such diverse ways. And each of us is the core of a God-formed creation that he said was good. Yet, we are all uniquely made. My life is forever lived with a big head, not in the ego category of big, but in the geographical sense of big. With a little tweak here or there, I could have had red hair, big feet, or have even four-fingered. But God chose for me to be the way I am. There is not much I can do with how my body structure is set up, but I can be actively engaged in how I live my life, searching for new aspects of me that I never knew existed, what I would call recessive genes. This is why the journey is important as we explore hobbies and passions that bring us great joy. Trying to explore new things on the journey of life can pull out recessive genes that I didn't know I even had. Some of these findings might not be pleasant or even overly exciting. They might even bring great pain when they are discovered. But the greater pain comes when I keep my passions dormant. I might make it through life with a successful career or even a perfect family. 
but along the way to these ends results i miss all of the beauty i miss the adventure and learning that come from the journey that was my thinking about becoming a biker oh yes i wanted to have a motorcycle but i didn't want to miss the process of getting to that point there was a lot to learn about myself and others before i would ever get an endorsement and ride in the open wind on a motorcycle the journey matters I love the story of when Jesus was on his way to heal the daughter of a first century civic leader. There was a clear direction to go with a specific ending. A girl needed to be healed and a family was in need of comfort and support. Most would have jumped on their donkey and headed there straight away. Mm, Not Jesus. While he had a clear destination, the cross, he was always on a journey and experiencing things with his people along the way. The people started to gather in tight, making his destination harder to obtain. But still, Jesus did not get irate with his followers or ask his disciples to part the crowd like some secret service members. Then, right in the middle of the throng pressing in, Jesus stopped because one person came close. And he noticed something particular about that person. A woman that had probably uh, did not look or act much different than any of the other spectators. Well, that woman had touched the helm of his robe, and he felt energy leave him. She had been in great pain for many years. This was her last-ditch effort to find freedom from her pain. Jesus was not engrossed with his destination and had all of his senses fully engaged. He stopped and healed her. What relief she must have experienced, what joy Jesus must have welling up in him as he decided to make just a quick stop along the road. Well, that evening in the garage, my senses of physical and emotional pain were in play. The voice of my band teacher echoed in my head, watermelon head. It all came rushing back, and I feared my inaugural ride would be curtailed because of a recessive, or maybe dominant, gene in our family. Ultimately, what I knew was that Mr. Kinney was a band instructor, not a biology major. His lack of understanding of the genetic code was not going to stop me that evening. I was not going to be deterred, and I was always up for a good laugh at my own expense. So, I walked out of the garage with a helmet protruding off the top of my head. Even with the largest helmet, it wouldn't go past the top of my glasses. With half the group on the ground laughing and a couple ladies holding my wife closely, I straddled that beast with a vengeance. My How to Ride a Motorcycle book was going through my head as I took a deep breath. One down, four up. Brake on the right, clutch on the left. Blinkers. No need for those in the yard. The crowd would have to get out of the way. Starter switch, right handlebar for when I would kill it. My adrenaline was pumping, rendering all the reading I had done from the previous month of no use to me now. I was off on my inaugural ride. Mm, Not quite yet, though. I killed it several times and heard chuckles and heckles from afar. Not to be discouraged, I just laid on the gas, let out the clutch, and off I went. Cruising around the open expanse of that yard, around the shrubs, up the incline to the far corner. I turned around and really laid on the gas to get some acceleration as I waved to the gathering group around the volleyball net several times. I decided to give my fans something to talk about and went under the net once, all to the applause of my fans. 
After several minutes without killing it, the helmet got too tight to bear, and I decided to stop while ahead. I dismounted it in front of the club and proclaimed, I told you I was a biker. That was the evening it all really clicked. What I had started dreaming of way a long time ago became reality. What a night that was. I didn't really think Todd would actually let me do it, but I'm so glad he did. I could have called it quits before I started because my head was too big for a helmet. I chose not to. And to this day, I still say I was a biker before I ever rode a bike. I didn't wait until I had a bike in my garage to enjoy the journey of becoming a motorcyclist. I had a recessive biking gene in me all the time, and it was brought out for all to see that evening. Hey, thanks again for joining me for this audio version of Ride On. If you want to get this book yourself or even give it to a friend, you can check it out on Amazon. Just search for Joseph Phelan, F-E-H-L-E-N, and you shall see it. If you have any questions or comments or just want to give me a shout out, you can email me at joseph at smalltownwanderer.com. Let me know what you thought of the book or even better, leave a review on Amazon. Until next time, ride on.